You have a Bible nearby. Why don't you go to Psalm 139? Psalm 139. Thanks for uh, coming tonight. We're in the last night of a series that uh, is just kind of um, really sticking our toe in the water a little bit with the subject of hearing the voice of God. I mean, we could be here for a while. Uh, and I've just tried to put together a couple of weeks that would just maybe give us some pillars, you know, that we could build upon and things like that. And uh, this will be the last night of the series. We have, um, next Sunday begins the season of Advent. And so we'll be turning our attentions to the Incarnation and uh, just the, the power of what Jesus has done in, in coming here to this earth. And, uh, you know, we sang about it a little bit in some of the songs. But we'll, we'll give ourselves fully uh, on Sundays, especially to uh, Advent and then We'll be giving you some ways that you can celebrate Advent at home and throughout the week. There'll be a couple of events that we'll do together. We'll have the, the Christmas party at Maison de Me with our friends there. There's the uh, breakfast on the levee. They're collecting the hoodies and all that kind of stuff. That'll be a part of it. And uh, there'll be some other things on the way. So um, just please participate in those things. We're, we're um, doing this together and uh, stuff like that. And so at the, out in the foyer right now, there's the boxes that'll collect hoodies and socks and toiletries and stuff tonight and next week, and then, then they're going out, right? Uh, so if you haven't done that yet, next week will be your last time to do that. And then if you want to take one of the wish lists from Mason, you can sign up. Uh, there's some tags that have the items on it. We just need you to sign next to it so that we'll know it didn't just you know, blow off in the wind or something like that. Uh, that would be really helpful. Um, so that will be next week, but tonight we'll kind of bring some closure to this. Uh, there's really no good way for me to summarize where we've been, so that's why we have a podcast, right? But last week, I uh, started off through this pyramid deal that I kind of put together several years ago to kind of help with uh, college students who, you know, you kind of get, get halfway through college and you have to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, and uh, that can be a stressful thing. And so I was just trying to give, provide some, maybe just some bones, you know, of a process that they can maybe build upon and have used it in various uh, settings, and all the, the, the pyramid itself is about making decisions, but really that whole process is about hearing God speak to you. And God wants to speak to us, but yet sometimes just that wording and that phrasing is just, you don't really know what to do with that because um, people have done some really ridiculous things throughout history because, quote-unquote, God told them to. That can be dangerous. Um, there's also, uh, I think, some expectations that when God tells you something, it's, that experience should look a certain way. But really, biblically, it's, it's, uh, it's not as like big, booming, loud voice kind of thing as much as it is this, uh, this working together of several different factors that God uses to communicate with us as we're following Him forward down the path of righteousness. In Psalm 25, David writes... Uh, this is verses 4 and 5. It says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And that's what we want. We want to know the pathways of God. We want to be led by Him. We don't want to, we don't want to mess our lives up. 
right? We, we understand that, like, um, we have uh, a problem that Jesus is the solution to, that he is the holy, perfect one who knows the future. He's outside of time. He's, and so he's looking at us and saying, hey, you don't know what's coming, but I do. You don't know what's best of all the options, but I do. And here's this God who wants to, in a very personal way, uh, lead his children forward, just like all good parents want to do. Um, so we have this, it, it seems to be uh, like two ideas that are fighting each other. That God's this big, holy God who's controlling the universe, and he wants to lead you personally down a path. Those things don't make sense in the, in the world, but God is big enough to be able to do both of those fully at the same time. And so when it comes to really dialing in and, and listening to him when we're praying about big decisions um, or when we're just praying about how do you, how do you know how to, like, how to feel about something, how to think about something, this pyramid is not just about figuring out, should I take this job or this job or what should I major in or, or should I marry this person or not? Is it time to have kids or not? Is it, you know, should I, should I move? Should I buy a car? Should I? It's not about just decisions. Even this, this whole process even makes sense with something like the Syrian refugee crisis, right? I mean, how many of you are, uh, are just completely conflicted about it, you know? We, I think we all are a little bit. I think, um, you know, the, last night, Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, like made fun of the fact that like Thanksgiving is coming, and that means lots of dialogue with family members that maybe you don't see eye to eye on. And the whole premise of the thing is like they're talking, everybody's saying crazy stuff, and then someone plays that Adele song, and it just like unifies the whole room because everyone loves Adele. You should watch it; it's funny. Um, but that that thing, that the whole thing with Syria and the whole thing with ISIS and all this stuff, it's it's difficult to um, to like articulate exactly what's going on inside of us because uh, it's a complex issue, and so even a process like this can help in deciding how to. Think about something, how to vote about something, how to, uh, how to articulate something, how to, uh, like whether or not to uh, defend something or not, you know, those kinds of things. So when it comes to hearing God's voice, here's this, this pyramid thing that we've uh, used last week, and um, just kind of give you a, a run through the, the basics of it real quick. The, the bottom of the pyramid is going to be abiding, and it's going to always be the most foundational and important thing that we can do together. Um, that He is the vine, we are the branches. When we abide in Him, this, this connection, this relationship, that's the bedrock of being able to hear from God, is the fact that, that you and Jesus are united the way that a branch and, a, and the trunk of the tree are united. You're grafted together. His life flows into you. I mean, it's, there's this union that's there. And Jesus says in John 15 that the Father is the vine dresser. So the Father is tending to you, and you're united with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is sustaining that relationship. And so you can completely and totally hear from God on stuff. If you think that's just for other people, that's for more spiritual people, all that kind of, those are just lies. You can hear from Him. Because the, the vine dresser and the vine want to speak to the branch. You're in relationship together. So that's the foundation that we build on, that the entire process as you work up the pyramid, that, that informs everything that's above it. So we go from abiding, and the next thing is, is the kingdom interaction, that you're engaging your mind with, okay, what does it mean for this to be on earth as it is in heaven, in this decision that I'm making? 
What, is, what does that mean? What does it look like in heaven where what God says goes, where sin has not corrupted anything? What is, the, what is purity of uh, the entire process look like? What does this look like inside the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of the world? This is when you're, you're engaging your mind. Abiding is relational. Kingdom stuff is from that relationship into your mind where you're really having to think uh, with this decision, with this issue, with hearing God's voice and Him leading, uh, what does this look like inside of the kingdom that He has secured? What does this look like for people who are redeemed, for people who are free, for people who are safe, for people who are forgiven, for people who have a king who is good and loves them and is perfect and holy and follow Him forward? What does this this whole process look like? What does this issue look like? What is all those things? As opposed to the world that's all just driven by self, and because it's driven by self, there's fear and there's doubt and there's just all kind of goofiness, right? So you're building, so from your abiding, you're engaging your mind in this kingdom sense and you're thinking on earth as it is in heaven, what does that look like? And from your thoughts, your, our feelings, they follow our mind. They don't really, they don't follow our, our heart. You know, it sounds sounds romantic to think of it that way. It's got to follow my heart. But really, you're just following your brain. How you think about something determines how you feel. And so this is getting your mind synced up with, with the Lord. And it's putting, letting your feelings fall where they're supposed to fall. So then we go up one more level, and there's the Bible. And all of the scriptures that God has given us, uh, which inform us about abiding, and they inform us about the, the, what the kingdom looks like. And, and you open up the Word, and, and I talked about this last week. Uh, sometimes you'll find a verse that will tell you explicitly the answer to the question that you're seeking. Like God will speak to you through verses that He's already written sometimes. It happens sometimes. But if you're trying to figure out, is it, should I buy a car or should I not buy a car? There probably isn't a verse about a car in there, Right? So if, that's your, if you want to rule out the Bible because it doesn't speak to the specific question that you have, then we're kind of missing the boat. Um, because sometimes it's explicit, but it, there's, are, are, there are always principles in the, in the Scriptures that tell us about the kingdom and tell us about God that are guiding us along. That as you're engaged in the Scriptures, it's an active discipline where the Spirit of God is you're engaging with Him in that. It's, it's, it's uh, a tangible way of abiding. And so really the base of that pyramid, those three things are always kind of working together. Your relationship with God, He's helping you engage your mind in kingdom principles, and the scriptures are, are, are you're tapping into this like real life uh, exchange between God and you, and God and you, and God and you. Okay, so those, that's kind of what we covered last week. So now we're going to keep going, um, and I apologize that that was kind of quick, but... Got a, lot, got a lot to cover. Okay, so let's say that let's say that that's been happening, and you're pursuing you're pursuing God. You're trying to make a decision. You're listening for His voice to lead you. All throughout this, there's this voice hang up that we have. Where what does it sound like? And I try I've tried to say this every week. It sounds like the, your own voice in your head. It's not going to have a different, you know, it's not going to be like audibly in that kind of sense. It sounds like when you're kind of talking to yourself. But there's a, different, there's a difference there, though. I read a quote last week about how, how the voice in your head is always trying to convince you or it's real back and forth and it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know, yay-yay about stuff, you know, when you're trying to figure it out. But the voice of God... It, it, may, it may kind of sense the same in your head, but there's, like, he's never um, trying to convince you. He's just telling you. 
And when you're abiding and when you're engaging your mind in, in kingdom ideas and when you're engaged with the scriptures and you get this idea in your head like someone's like like you're talking to yourself but it's not a it's not a like convincing kind of thing it's direct. The quote said that it was, uh, the voice is self-authenticating. You just you know, okay, that's that was different right there. And I've told a story about about in the last couple of months and I I've, I've moved and we sold a house, bought a house, that kind of thing and how I was praying about, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm about to make this phone call. And this is the, this is the point of no return phone call, you know. And I was like, is there, is there anything, just anything, anything, anything. And just right away, it was just like, it's, don't be greedy. It wasn't uh, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you should maybe consider possibly not being super greedy, maybe. I don't know. It was, don't be greedy. It wasn't convincing me. It wasn't even a dialogue. It wasn't a conversation. It wasn't an argument. It was a don't be greedy. And from my process of abiding, and I'm not saying, like, look at me, I did it right. Like, look at the one, one of the very few times I've done it right. Okay? I'd been abiding. I'd been in the scriptures. I'd been thinking about the kingdom. I'd worked my way through the pyramid. I was in a place, and as soon as I heard that, I just dialed right away. I knew. It was different. Consistent with the scriptures, consistent with the kingdom, consistent with the God that we know. So you get to a point when that base, those first three things are there, and then, then it's really time to, to check your motives. So I sent you to one, Psalm 139. Look at 23 and 24. Psalm 139 is so rich. It's just so rich. And David's talking about just the whole thing, just God's relationship to him and how God has, has known him, you know, f- just since before he was born and how there's no escaping God and his presence is always there and his goodness is always there. And even though he's tried to hide from him, he's like, I can't. You're just, you're there. Your goodness is constant. It's just, this psalm is just overflowing with all this just deep, deep goodness from the Lord. And this is how he ends the psalm. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if, if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you want to live a life that is, uh, that, is very, that is aggressive, you know, that's not, that's not passive in your faith, in your holiness, in your following God down the path of righteousness, if you want to like, legitimately get after it, Take this prayer, this, these two verses, and build them into your daily life in a way that you really mean it. That when you say, search me, O God, and know my heart, you're bringing yourself before God and you're saying, all right, uh, here, uh, search everything, everything about me. You're asking him to, to try you and know your thoughts. You can hide your thoughts from a lot of people. You can't hide them from God. And so you're, you're laid bare, and you're saying, my heart, my thoughts, uh, see if there's any grievous way in me, my actions. So think about that. Your, your heart, your mind, and your, like, like, the way that you're acting, your behavior. All right, let's go ahead and say it. This holistic, like, bringing yourself before God and saying, there's anything in here that's leading to grief. I want you to I want you to show me. 
I want you to test me. I want you to reveal that to me. I want you to lead me in the way everlasting. What David is doing is he is like at this place before the Lord, and he's saying, I don't want anything in me that's going to lead to grief. God's grief, his own grief, the grief of other people. So he holistically brings himself to the Lord and says, all right, what's driving me? What's driving me? What's in my life that should not be in my life? So as you're trying to hear God's voice, you've been abiding, you've been engaging in kingdom ideas, you've been in the scriptures, and you're testing your motive, and you're saying, what is driving me forward in this decision? Sometimes these things can be good, right? Just because you're a human doesn't mean that everything, that you're like super sinister all the time. Sometimes motive can be good. Uh, and when it is, and, it, and you bring yourself before God and you're saying, uh, you're, search me, try me, test me, lead me, all those things that, that David is saying, when it's good, those, like God will confirm the goodness in your life. We talk a lot about how feeling like, like God is this like disapproving father all the time. You know? He's this authority figure that's just never really approving of us and kind of waiting to always correct us and kind of beat us up or whatever. And, that's not how God is. If there's something good, he's going to tell you. He's going to confirm it. And so if you're, you're trying to hear his voice and you bring yourself before him and you're testing your motive, he will say, you know what, this is a really good thing. Your motives can be good. If your motive is to, I just made a list of honoring God, following him forward. Your motive is caring for your family. Your motive is making the kingdom tangible in the lives around you. It's loving your neighbor. It's loving the nations. It's uh, restoration in relationships, you know, conflict resolution and reconnection with people. Um, it can be godly pleasure. It can be rest. It can be peace. It can be excellence in your job and what you're doing. All these things, are, they're great motives. And so testing your motives is one way that God can confirm, hey, you're headed in the right direction, man. Isn't that nice sometimes when you're trying to seek his voice and then you finally, you get a little, you get like, he just like throws you a bone. You're like, oh, okay, good. At least, I'm, at least I'm heading in the right, I'm in the right pasture, you know. It's always just such a good feeling. And he will do that. And if you bring yourself before him and you, you pray prayers like that, he'll, you'll know. And you can hear him because you're abiding. And because your mind is engaged in kingdom thoughts. And because you've been in the scriptures, it positions you to be able to hear the confirmation that he offers you. It also puts you in a position to hear the correction and the conviction because so, while our motives can be good, sometimes our motives can be bad. Um, and so this part of the process is important because uh, you it puts yourself in a position to purify things out. One, one of the, the biggest hang-ups that keeps us from hearing God clearly is when we're just immersed in sinful patterns in our lives. And it makes a lot of sense, you know. And that's not to say if you're sinning, God won't talk to you. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying if you're sinning, you won't be able to hear his voice. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying that it, it does make it harder. It does make it harder. So what do we do? We bring ourselves before him and we say, let's, let's purify. You know, Let's get rid of anything that's holding me up. It, it could be greed. It could be competition. It could be comparison. It could be revenge. It could be discontentment. It could be worldly comfort, security, success, ambition, pleasure. It could be bad stuff. It could be good stuff. Um, when I got out of college, I worked centrifuge the summer right after school, came back from Fuge and had no idea what I wanted to do, other than I knew I was going into ministry. I knew I needed to go to seminary. 
So I, I, I did what I advise everyone to do. I took a semester off, you know, to find myself. And uh, I found myself living at home and uh, uh, making money as a substitute teacher, which uh, is terrible. Uh, it, was easy, it was easy money from a paycheck standpoint, but it was just dreadful. Because, you know, you've all been in school. You know when a sub's there, what happens, you know. So I did that for a while, and I didn't know what, was, what life held for me next in detail. Um, and I got this job offer to go teach at the high school, and kind of found myself having to make a decision, and I was on a timeline. They're like, we need to know, we need to know by like Wednesday, you know, and let's, let's say it was a Monday. And so here I was, not sure what to do, headed to, like, what, ministry, yes, seminary, yes, but hadn't done any paperwork, had no money, had no plan, living at home, just, you know, living the dream, right? And so there I was, and some of you are there right now, and a lot of you have been in this very similar place. Some of you are headed to that place, just get ready. Um, and the job offer came, I wasn't sure what to do, and I did not, I did not have a, a, a very deep process to make a decision. I didn't do a lot of the things that I've been saying to do. I didn't have a, the, a pyramid or anything like that to work through. And, um, my motive really was like the paycheck, honestly, because I knew I needed money, I knew I needed some direction, I knew that, uh, in my mind at that point, what you do is you graduate, you get a job, you get married, and you have a family. That's the progression, right? And so I was like, if those things are going to happen, i got to get a job. Here's someone saying, hey, here's a job for you. And so I just took it. My motive, it's hard to say my motive was greed because it's not like the paycheck was huge. But like I've said before, it had a comma in it, and that's all I really cared about at the time. I'd never seen one of those before in front of me. And there was this stability that was there and all that kind of stuff. And so I just did it. My motive was not pure in that. Um, It's easy to be driven by something weird and for that to become so convincing to you that that is God showing you, hey, this is what you need to take. Um, For me, I convinced myself that it was God answering my, my prayers, but I never tested it, really. I didn't test it. I didn't bring myself before him and say, search me, try me, test me. Here's my mind, here's my heart, here's my behavior. Lead me forward in this. I didn't do that. Now, did I ruin my life? No, I didn't ruin my life. But my process was not what I would want it to be. So we test our motives, and this thorough purging of our motives, um, it helps bring a great deal of clarity to things. When you, when you have a prayer like that and you mean it, like David said, you see the, you see the conviction really clearly. Like you know it's, it's, it's not cloudy at all. It's crystal clear. Hey, this is not good. Or you see the confirmation. Hey, this is good. When you're, you have the base of the pyramid in that, your life, you're going to be able to hear it more clearly. So that abiding life and that kingdom life and that Bible life is so important. Listening... Um, Listening is made more clear at this stage of the pyramid. Okay? So, if you're trying to hear his voice, he's going to speak through all those other things, and by the time you get to the motive check, you're in a great place to be able to hear. Now, you're probably, some of you may be frustrated because you feel like, you feel like you don't ever really hear from God whenever you do this stuff. You know, when you pray that kind of prayer, and you're asking him, asking him, asking him. And so my pastoral counsel for people like that is, well, you keep at it. 
You keep working your way through the pyramid. I'll talk about timeline in a minute. But you keep, you keep abiding and you keep in the kingdom and you keep in the Bible and you keep praying that prayer over and over and over and you listen and you listen and you listen and you wait it out. And sometimes he takes his sweet time. He does. And sometimes you're sitting there watching the clock tick because you're like, I've got to let him know by Wednesday. But you keep at it. And when Wednesday comes around, I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay? So that's, that's testing your motives and praying those kinds of prayers. When the base is, is, is solid and in place, you're going to be able to hear more clearly. But that's crucial because you don't want to make a decision with the wrong motives. And you also want him to confirm the good motives. All right, the next to last one, community. We tend to jump right to this one. We tend to, like, um, so let's go back to my, like, I get a job offer. Uh, if I could go back in time, I think probably the first five things I did was call different people. And be like, oh my gosh, guess what just happened? I just got a job offer. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. And not like seeking prayer, you know, just like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I talked to all kinds of people, got all kinds of input. But it was not after having a, like a really good process of abiding in Scripture and uh, those kind of things, and testing my motive, and then bringing in other people. I jumped right to it, and I've seen and experienced that in my own life and in other people's lives, where we're very quick to bring other people in. And I'm not talking about, like, you've got to make a decision, you call your spouse right away. Like, that's like a good thing. I'm not saying, like, you need to wait, like, six months before you tell your spouse about this. That's not what I'm saying. But the call to your spouse needs to be tempered a little bit, right? Your call to your community needs to be very tempered. It needs to fall in the right place of the process. Let me throw some scriptures out there. You don't need to turn to them. Um, Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates all day and night. Okay, so the counsel of the wicked is not something we should pursue. All right, I'll get to that in a second. Proverbs 1, verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. In the book of Proverbs, there are 20, no, wait, there are 31 chapters. 24 of them have some sort of proverb in there about like, seeking wise counsel. 24 chapters out of 31. Now, we're not going to read them all, but you just need to trust me. All right? The book of Proverbs is filled with this drive to seek wise counsel. Galatians 2 says, uh, 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That we're to help carry things with one another. And in so, like, when we do that, we're imitating Jesus as the ultimate burden bearer. Right? He not only carries the burden of sin, but he carries the things that are weighing on us, with us. Because he's the vine and we're the branches. And when the branch is struggling with something, the vine knows it and feels it. And so, community is incredibly important. Wise counsel is of, of incredible value. Um, sinful counsel is to be, like, pushed against and, like, just not sought after at all. This is an incredibly important step, but it has to fall in line in the right place. It has to be after we're abiding. It has to be after. It has to fall there in the order. It can't be the bottom of the pyramid. It has to play its proper role. Throughout the Bible, we see God revealing His truth through people, and so yes, your community, the people around you, are gonna 
They're going to like be used by God in really powerful ways for him to communicate. There are times when he speaks through other people, and it's just amazing. Um, he uses our communities to guide us along. We see it in good ways. We see Jesus in the Twelve. We see that, that interaction that's happening. We see the New Testament church. They're encouraging one another. They're helping each other like, make decisions. There are, are things that they're coming up against. and like, We're not sure what to do, and so they prayed a ton. You know, there's always there's that voice of reason that steps up. There's, that's such an important thing in good ways. We also see bad examples in the Bible. Job had all this bad stuff happen to him, and his wife, his wife said, you need to curse God and die. All right? That's bad. Those are not the people that you want around you. His friends, they weren't much better. You can't have counsel that's prayerless or impulsive or driven by only logic or emotion. Those things are dangerous. So, what, so, so all right, so let's say you get to this point and you're like, I want to seek some wise counsel. Um, let me tell you a couple of things about that. When you're seeking wise counsel, you need to, like I said, make sure the base of the pyramid is firmly established. Don't jump there too fast. You know the people around you, so you need to choose wisely. In fact, asking Jesus, hey, who should I, who should I seek counsel from on this? When you're by this point of the pyramid, if everything else is in place and you ask him, you know, you're going to hear him. He's going to put people on your heart, on your, in your mind to go and talk to. And you need to be real careful about that. Um, there, are, uh, there are people, I'll, I'll use an example with singleness. There are probably, if you're single, there are probably people in your life who are not single. And because being in a relationship is such a blessing to them, they want that for you and they love you and it's great. But sometimes their intentions for you are so good that it will blind them to wisdom. And so you'll be like, hey, I'm thinking about asking this person out. They're like, yes, you should totally do it. Maybe that's not the most wise counsel that you're seeking, you know? You need to have people who are going to ask you, okay, so tell me about your process here. How did you get to this point? You need people who are going to say, so does this person know Jesus at all? You, know? you need those kind of folks. You don't need the people who just love you no matter what. They're just going to affirm, 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 affirm blindly. That's not wise counsel. That's just counsel. So you know your people. So when you get to this stage and you're trying to hear God's voice, you ask him. But because you're dialed in, you can hear him. And so there are times when I've gone to people and said, I know this probably seems out of nowhere, but I just need to ask you a question. I have pastor friends in town that I'll just call them sometimes and be like, hey, you ever come up against this? And at first they're kind of like, oh, who is this again? You know? But it's because I'm like, God, who do I even ask about this? Seeking wise counsel, you know your people, so you've got to choose wisely. And then you take their counsel and you test it against the rest of the pyramid. You test what, what they're saying. You don't just blindly take everything that your community is telling you as gospel. You go back and compare it to the gospel. You let Jesus be your filter. But your community is often how God will speak things. My whole call to ministry was because I was sitting there. I was sitting in you know, that like um, my whole plan for my life just fell apart because the girl I was totally going to marry like broke up with me and it was all terrible. right? And I'm sitting there and I'm just sad. I don't know what I'm going to do. And a friend of mine was like checking on me, but she goes, she's like, what do, you, what do you want to do with your life? Like, if you got to pick, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, I'm working at this church, and it's kind of awesome. She's like, maybe you should pray about that. Maybe that desire is a good thing. I was like, maybe you're right. And I did it, and now here I am. You know? For better or for worse, here I am. 
God spoke to me th- through my community, caring for me, but it wasn't, she didn't give me advice, she didn't tell me, how, she just pointed me back to the Lord in a specific way. That's wise counsel, and he uses it. When your counsel, when people come to you, just, man, ask good questions, listen for red flags, point them back to Jesus, pray with them. James 1.5 says that if we ask, if we're lacking wisdom, we just need to ask. Okay? Our community has got to be driven by wisdom and by love and by the, everything leading up through that pyramid. We need to encourage each other in that process. It is not a burden for you to go to your friends and say, will you all just join me? I'm trying to discern this. Will you just pray for me for like the next week and then maybe we'll talk some more? And that's what we do for one another. That's what we have to do. So let's say the whole pyramid, like everything's in place. You get to the point and you're like, all right, I've, I've been abiding in kingdom and Bible and my motives, I've tested them and my community has been praying and there's been wisdom and I've, I kind of think this is what I need to do. And here comes a point, you just got to make a decision. Isn't that the scariest moment? It doesn't just scare you when you're like, man, I, I'm, about to, I'm about to do that. I'm about to make that phone call. I'm about to reply to this email. I'm about to like, decide this is my official like, belief about this, my position about this. This is what I'm going to do. It's okay for that to be a little bit nerve-wracking. But let me encourage you a little bit that God has made us to be decision-makers. He's put us together to make decisions. God is a decision maker. We were created in His image, and that's a part of that image showing up. God makes choices. God has opinions, you know. And He like, gives us the like, power to make the choices in our lives. That there's, a, there's leadership there from Him, but He wants to lead us in the way everlasting. That's what He wants to do. So don't be timid about making decisions. Sometimes there isn't time for a process like this, you know. Um, when, when it comes to me, like when I, when, for buying my house, I had, I had a, enough time to give it this kind of effort. But sometimes you just, the clock, it, it doesn't allow for that. But you know what's crazy about that pyramid is that all those things can be happening all the time. They don't just have to be about one decision, you abide all the time, and you're engaging in the kingdom all the time, and you're in the Bible all the time, and you're constantly praying those prayers of search me, try me, test me, and you're walking in community. And so not only is this a way to hear his voice in a process over time, there's also a way for you to hear his voice in an instant. Isn't that beautiful? That he's making us into the kind of people that can listen in for a few weeks, or that can listen in for a few moments. And our good Savior knows exactly what we need. We need to make a decision. The solid process helps you interpret your emotions and your circumstances and your logical instincts and all the stuff that comes along with it. So because sometimes we're like, I don't know what to do with these circumstances. When your process is solid, you know exactly what to do with them. When I know I keep using the same few examples, but it's, it's what I got to work with, right? With, the, with my house, uh, in order to buy this other house, I had to sell my existing house. I was like, I'm not sure what to do. So I accident, like I went on Zillow.com. I was like, I'm going to see how hard it is to list a house. And the next thing I know, I have a listing up there. No pictures, no nothing, just a, just a description. I was like, cool, in a few days I'll take some pictures and put them up there. In 24 hours, I got a phone call. I want to see the house. And they made an offer and they bought the house. Now, did I take that as confirmation that I was heading in the right direction? You better believe it. 
You better believe it. There's nothing wrong with being like, man, this, is, this, this happened, and so I, you know, I'm going like, to, I think this is God telling me you're heading in the right direction. There's nothing wrong with that. But when your process, like that pyramid, when that's in place, you're able to know, yes, this is God confirming this. There are, but when those other things are not happening, you don't know what to do with that. You, know? you don't know what to do with your circumstances or your feelings or your, all those kind of things sometimes. A solid, Jesus-driven process helps you know what to do with all those other things. And then you're not having to like read, am I reading into it? Am I, you don't have to pick it apart. You're just like, yes, awesome. All right, a few last-minute thoughts. We're so timid about making choices, but let me just tell you a couple of things to keep in mind. Three of them. One, it is always a step of faith. If you are expecting to hear God's voice and make a decision about something in life and there not be some blind spots or some gray area, you need to adjust your expectations. He's going to always, always leave that space that's there to make you trust Him. So if, the, if you're the kind of person that has to have 100% of the picture in place before you make a decision, then get, you're going to live a very frustrated life in Christ. He's going to leave that there on purpose so that we trust Him. But just uh, that's, that's like process being really solid. It informs your faith. I've said it before. Our faith is not blind. Our faith is incredibly informed. So when your process is solid, then you're able to say, well, I know enough about this in the black and the white to be able to make a decision in the gray. It's beautiful, but it's always, always, always going to be a step of faith. He's never going to give us the whole picture. Second thing, God is interested in your heart. Don't forget it. He's interested in your heart. And we see when um, it comes time to choose a king for Israel, there's this beautiful verse in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. Uh, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That God is interested in the formation of who you are. That this whole process, and even like hearing His voice, making decisions, being led by Him, is all about spiritual formation. We get obsessed with getting it right. God is not nearly as obsessed with get us getting it right as we are. We get all hung up in like, like, am I going to break the world? You know, am I going to ruin my life here? And God's like, no, you're not going to break the world. The world already broke, already fixed it. You're not going to ruin your life. God is all about your process. He wants to guide you. He's not only looking at where you're going, but he's looking at the kind of person that you are when you get there. And so he will use a process like this, whether it's over weeks or whether it's over moments, to form you and to deepen your faith and your relationship with Him. This whole thing is about spiritual formation. So you get to, let's say you get to the end, you get to the top of the pyramid, and you're like, I, I'm still not totally sure, but I think this is what it is, so I'm, I'm going to, I feel like I've, my process has been good, I'm, I'm going to make this decision. And your heart is pure. God's not concerned if it's like the right decision or not. He's like, look at, look at my child who's full of faith, trusting me. Trusting me that, that, that even if, if, if I want them to go right and then went left and it was like kind of hazy and that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm going to take care of them no matter which way it happens. That when I was wrestling with that job at Central and I was, just wanted the paycheck and I wasn't very prayerful and I wasn't whatever and I just kind of made, my motives were weird, I didn't ruin my life. 
If my process had been pure, maybe my decision would have been the same, but I wouldn't have been the same. In fact, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life. Those were two of the best years I've ever had in ministry and in life. My motives weren't pure. Like I said, my decision may have been the same, but I wouldn't have been the same. And I've learned from it and grown from it. And so God is uh, hes all about process in our hearts. So just pull the trigger. Give it due diligence. Listen, 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 listen. Make, a, make the choice, knowing it's a choice in faith. So it's always a step of faith. God is interested in your heart. The third thing, just remember he's a good father. You ask him, you seek, you knock. He's not going to give you a snake. He's not going to give you a stone. You're asking for goodness and you're asking for leadership. He wants to lead you. He's not tricking you. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not manipulating you. He's forming you. And he knows you. He knows who you are. He knows, what you, he knows your heart. He knows what's driving you. And he's good. So don't freak out about hearing his voice and panic and all that kind of stuff. Let your process be good. Let Jesus lead you. Make a decision in faith. Trust him. After you've made the decision, keep going forward. Keep learning. Keep growing. It's fine. I don't know how all this stuff fits in, but I know, I know that it's a struggle for us. So I hope all this stuff, I know it's kind of been more of a, not really sermons, more like a lecture seminar thing put together, but I really just want pastorally, like I want us to get to where we're just super confident as we pray and as we follow him and as we believe, believe in what's next for one another together and as we encourage one another and that we play the role we're supposed to play. And I just really, really desire that for me to keep growing at it, for us to keep growing at it. And so please, let's keep talking about it. Let's keep asking questions. Let's keep pushing back on stuff. Let's keep being frustrated together. Let's keep bearing one another's burdens with this as we grow. But I really think, I think that God is continuing to form us into the, a family that just discerns and listens and prays, is not afraid to say, God, God told me this, you know. God led me here. God's called me to this. Um, and hopefully we could just continue to grow into that. So I appreciate all your patience with me and listening and your questions and your feedback and stuff. Um, I just like to pray for us. I just want us to sing a little bit. I feel like that always, I think just... I, said one time, it was like, uh, like when the seeds have been planted, you know, in the parable of the sower and the bird comes in and takes the seeds away. Maybe singing afterwards, just kind of pack some dirt on top of it. You know, we just respond uh, to who he is. So why don't you stand up as the band comes back and um, we'll just sing a little bit before we dismiss.